Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. Indeed. Yeah. This is the podcast where you control the conversation right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. I write for The Rap. I write for Slash Film. I talk on these podcasts. Everyone calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. Uh, I write for Slash Film. Uh, not for The Rap. Mm. I wrote for The Rap once. That was a good so, day. Several years ago. I got one, one review in there. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm here to uh, answer, your, answer your letters. Thanks That's for writing right. in. Yeah, so here's how it works. You send us an email. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Or you could send us a piece of physical mail. Mm-hmm. A letter, a postcard, a package, if you were so inclined. Whatever you want, really. We have a P.O. Box for just such a purpose. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, send us a letter to P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Right, and you can ask us anything you want. You can take us to task for something we said on a podcast. You can uh, ask us questions, anything you want us to sort of opine about. Mm. Maybe... Chris Pine? <laughs> oh, we could opine on Chris Pine. Yeah, there you if, go. That's a new podcast. If, if that's what you want to want us Chris to talk Pine about. Chris Pine fancast. Uh, but um, yeah, anything you want, we're 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 here for you. This is your time, and we're not going to waste another second of it on pithy openings. Too late. <laughs> Damn it, Whitney. Let's go. All right, here's a. Um, let's just get into the letters. Here's the letter from Blair. Hi, Blair. Uh, thank you for writing in. Uh, it says, "Greetings to you, gentlemen and scholars from the cold, windy, snowy tundra of Regina." The city that rhymes with fun. Saskatchewan, <laughs> Canada. Wow, thank um, you. I have three simple questions for each of you. Oh, God. That I hope you could answer either on the air or who would just like to respond back here, as I would be very interested in your responses. Let's do it. Since you both have seemed to have seen almost 10,000 movies between the two of you, if not more. Mm, probably fair. Uh, my first question is this. Is there a movie or movies that you saw in a theater that you walked out on, and what were the reasons why? Uh, mine was Confessions of a Shopaholic. Uh? As I was there with my wife for date night, I apologized to her that I was utterly bored and took my popcorn and went and sat in the lobby while she remained for the rest of the film's duration. Wow. You, walk, yeah. you didn't just walk out on the movie. You walked out on your wife. <laughs> wow. Um, that's a bad movie. <laughs> that's a very bad movie. That's oof. Uh, I haven't seen Confessions of a Shopaholic. I haven't so either. I Maybe it is that bad. Uh, I guess before we get to the second one. So no, let's just do with that. Uh, I have never... Walked out of a movie just because it was bad. I've turned off a movie uh-huh. just because I wasn't feeling it. Uh, but I've, I've never, I've never gone to the effort of going to a theater, buying a ticket, or going to a press screening, especially, um, and then just went, eh, I'm not feeling it, and then left. I have left a movie early, but it wasn't because the movie was bad. It was because. Someone I was with was having a health issue or something like yeah. that. Uh, some some random thing came up and I couldn't stay. But um, I am of the opinion that as a critic, I cannot talk about a movie in any meaningful way. I mm. certainly can't properly review it unless I've actually seen the whole thing. Right. And there have been times when I have been very sorely tempted. <laughs> I think the strongest urge I've ever had to walk out of a theater wasn't even something like the Human Centipede 2. Mm. It was, um, oh, what the hell? It was um, The Brothers Grimsby. Oh, that's a terrible movie. It's not like it's even the worst movie I've ever seen. There was, it was just a very specific kind of grading. 
uh-huh. that I just didn't want to be present for it. Like, I was like, you can do your thing. I don't know why you need me here. <laughs> because I'm not helping you. Mm-hmm. You're not helping me. We're clearly... Like, there's that old commercial, the guy who walks up, uh, uh, his date, like, up to her door. Uh-huh. And he says, this is, this is a really nice night. We should do this again sometime. And she says, yeah, but not together. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> not you and me. <laughs> Nobody wants that. That's how I feel about the Brothers Grimsby. I'm like, you can do your own thing over there, and I will not like you or respect you, but knock yourself out. I will be over here. Mm. Trying to avoid you forever. Because that movie just pissed me off. But I did not leave. I did not leave. I do not like to leave a movie in the middle of a theatrical screening in particular. I find that to be... Uh, again, unless there's a necessity, mm. I find it to be unprofessional. Um, I just like seeing it out. Yeah. Just Sometimes I can be surprised by an, an ending that it will kind of redeem a movie. It's, was it's a, rare, uh, but it happens. Paper Towns is the one we go back oh, to a lot. Yeah. It's opened fr- really bad, but redeemed. was really terrible. And yeah, that kind of actually thing. redeemed by the end of the movie. The beginning of the movie, even the part that we didn't like, was actually good in context now. Yeah. Yeah, so it can happen. Um, so yeah, professionally, you kind of have to stay to the end. Yeah, you do. Uh, that's that's part, part of the, the gig. I remember uh, some critics get in trouble because they see a movie, it's like they walk out. Which is a response. Yeah. And they say, uh, and that's they can... my review. My review is I walked out after yeah. a while. And I'm like, I don't think it's a particularly good review. I don't think and, it's a particularly yeah. interesting or insightful review. I remember uh, Roger Ebert did that once. I forgot what film it was. Yeah. Some, like, teen drama about, mm. like, uh, young kids. And I wonder if I can look that up. And he wrote a review saying, yeah, this <sighs> this is not... And he even started the review. This is not a full review. This doesn't count as a real review, but this, these are my thoughts. And here's why I walked out on this movie. And he got a lot of hate, like angry mail from that one. Oh, there's actually a list of every movie Roger Ebert walked out on. Wow. Let's see what we got here. Caligula, 1979. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to bother with the yeah. raisins here. The Statue, 1971. I don't even know that one. John Cleese and Graham Chapman are in that movie. Interesting. Jonathan Livingston Seagull, 1973. Mm. The Brown Bunny, 2003. Uh. That one's probably notorious. Something called True Loved. Oh, weird. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. True Loved is the, the... I'm reading off of a website called Screen Rant. True Loved is the film that made Roger Ebert question his habit of reviewing films without watching them until the end credits. <laughs> you know, he faced backlash revealing he'd only watched eight minutes of it. This is probably the one you're thinking of. Oh, yeah. True yeah, Loved. A... Anyway, the list goes on. Apparently he did it a few more times. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have uh, not reached that point in my life. I, uh, there was a, t- a couple movies like in the early 2000s when I was like trying, I wasn't a professional yet, yeah. but I was kind of trying to be, so I was testing my mettle in a way. Yeah. Uh, the movie Lucky Numbers with John Travolta and oh, Lisa yeah. Kudrow, that, that one really rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, I just really? thought that okay. was really, really just gross and offensive. Um, Disney released an animated film called Return to Neverland, is a sequel to Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. That was, that was theatrical? This theatrical release. Okay, don't remember that being theatrical. Shouldn't have been. <laughs> also, yeah, I, I, a lot of the uh, like the Disney animated canon, I haven't 
sure. seen since I either either haven't seen or haven't seen since I was very very small. You got some, some so weird I, blind I, spots in there actually. I, yeah, like, yeah, like I've I've never seen Dumbo for instance. Yeah. I haven't seen Pinocchio since I was maybe five. Yeah, I'm not sure if that even counts. Um, I never saw Fantasia. Um, oh, but really weird. Okay, I've seen I I saw the Night on Bald Mountain. Sequence. I mean, and that's I've seen, one of the best parts. But and yeah. I've seen the uh, um, Sources of Apprentice segment. Those but, two yeah. tend to get sort of plucked out and shown separately. Yeah, but, so I've, I've, I'm not next yeah. to each other. I saw them both yeah. like sort of individually. Uh, so I've seen pieces of Fantasia, yeah. but I've never actually like watched it beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't have any kind of particular fondness or familiarity to Peter Pan, other than to know this one was like repeating every beat from the mm. original, just rather than a crocodile, it's a, an octopus. Oh. That kind of stuff. What a twist. And, and it's not about uh, Wendy. It's about Wendy's, like, puckish daughter. Oh. Like, Wendy went back to Earth and grew up and had children, and she had a daughter about who was about the her age that she was in the original Peter Pan story, mm-hmm. and she ended up going to Neverland. And So it's more like Hook. Uh, kind of. In that regard, yeah. All right. Yeah, and, a lot of original ideas in that one. Yeah, that, right. that one really, yeah. All right, what's the next question? Uh, second question is, which movie or movies, yet again, did you watch in the theater uh, that left you in tears? Mm. And why? Mine was Forrest Gump. And at the very end, when Forrest starts to cry, as he tells Jenny how smart their boy was, I don't know why, but that, but the damn thing did. Uh, uh, Forrest Gump is the man. Like, <laughs> how dare you, the man, for trying to make us cry. Uh, you know what? Uh, there, is, there is a scene in Forrest Gump that always makes me cry, but it's not uh, the big scene everyone talks about. It's when... Uh, Lieutenant Dan tells Forrest he should have left him oh, to yeah, die. Yeah. That's such a good performance from Gary Sinise mm. that that scene gets me every time. I'm kind of mad at the movie, but oh. he's so good in it that I can't. I can't really be mad. Yeah, at I, I, I I cried at all. I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker. There was a, a while yeah. there I was crying at almost every movie I saw. I was just so moved by the cinema. Experience. I was there when you saw Age of Extinction. Well, that that made me wince tears of pain. I was. <laughs> No, just a, such a horribly rotten movie. I, know. I, I remember openly bawling when I saw a movie called The Spitfire Grill. Oh, uh, wow. In the, the mid-90s. Yeah. I really liked that movie. Okay. Um, that's a really good movie, by the way. The, Sp- the Spitfire Grill is really actually terrific. Sat- that was one of those... I was like a Sundance darling when it came out. Of yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, it was one of many movies that had the tagline, To a town with no future comes a woman with a past. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing that on a couple of movie posters. Um what else did I... I, I remember uh, being angry that something like um, A Monster Calls made me cry. Because oh. I didn't like A Monster Calls. I think it's quite a bad movie, but it oh. still made me cry. I, I like uh, that movie a lot, and we've had this conversation a lot. I cried so hard at A Monster Calls. Mm-hmm. I was at a film festival when it debuted. Uh, so I was at one of the first screenings, and I oh. cried so... And it was shortly after my dad died, so it was a bit of a oh, gut shot. Yeah, yeah. But um, I cried so bad that, like, a day or two later, I was just walking down the street to, like, another screening. Oh. And someone who I guess was at the Monster Call screening, a perfect stranger, said, Hey, I saw you at the Monster Call screening. Are you okay? Oh. <laughs> I was like, the movie was very sad. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, same with, like, The Shape of Water. It's like, The Shape of Water is fine. I don't Why think did it's you a... cry at The Shape of Water? Because the, the monster goes away at the end. It's okay, kind of, at the end. Sad, I'm, yeah, oh, I'm not. I'm not doubting you, and I'm not saying it's insincere. I'm just curious what part. Because oh, okay. I didn't cry at that one. That one. That, oh, one, okay. that one didn't hit me that hard. Um, it often will just depend on just depend on the circumstances. Sure. Like the uh, one that always gets me every time is uh, Tim Burton's Big Fish. Yeah, the, that's the, a big the, one. the scene at the end where he's t- taking his dad to the ocean. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that'll that'll get you. Yeah, whole whole theater was bawling when I saw mm-hmm. that. Um, for me, Monster Calls did it for me. A uh, wonderful film I saw around the same time called The Boy and the Beast. 
mm, uh, from Memory Hosoda. Yeah. yeah, that's all. That's uh, uh, about parenting, and it's really quite beautiful. Actually, I love that movie. Um, the 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 movie in which I cried, which is became a bit legendary in my family, was when my mom took me to see Dead Poet Society when I was seven. Okay. Dead Poets Society, if you've never seen it, is a coming-of-age story about a group of uh, young men at a uh, sort of prestigious academy, uh, you know, private school, uh, and Robin Williams plays their teacher, who teaches them about the importance of poetry and sort of living your life properly and not just, like, doing what, you know, going by the book, doing what your parents tell you to do. And um, Robert Sean Leonard plays a character who uh, wants to pursue the theater, and his father uh, is very adamantly against it. And Robert Sean Leonard's story ends, without going into too much detail, really, really sadly. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really genuinely tragic, and I'd never seen a movie in which a character commit such an act of self-harm before. And I was seven. Oh, jeez. And I felt it very profoundly. Like, mm -hmm. I felt it very, very deeply. I felt what the character was going through. This was me actually appreciating the film on its own merits. Mm -hmm. But because I'd never felt anything like that before, I bawled so hard in the theater, I basically made a scene. Aww. And my, I, you know what? It's a, it's a thing that came up a few times. And he, you know, just like, I don't know, she couldn't handle Dead Poet Society. I'm like, Dead Poet Society was sad! <laughs> what is the matter with you? It's a very sad movie. Come couldn't on. Handle it. Of course I couldn't handle it. Yeah. It's a tragic film. Very, very sad. Uh, apparently my mom thought I was upset because there was a scary trailer for Jason Takes Manhattan ahead of it. Oh, and I'm uh -huh. like, okay, that was a scary trailer for me when I was a little kid. Because I was scared of Jason Voorhees when I was very small. Mm. Um. I wouldn't have broken down in tears halfway through the following movie. I would have broken down in tears when I saw that trailer. Yeah. That's how time works. <laughs> and I was just like, it's the society's a very sad movie. Emotions are not on like a time release. No, it's well, I mean they can be, but like uh, yeah. mm. you know, regardless, it, it didn't make sense in the context of it. So Depot Society kills me. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I bet it would probably still uh, rip me apart. But yeah. I'm not opposed to... I, I, I think movies are trying to get us to feel things. Mm -hmm. um, I think trying to hold it in is uh, unhealthy. I think it's weird. I think it's something that we shouldn't feel the need to do. Uh, if you if you do, that's, that's your call. I'm not saying, you know... I'm, I'm not trying to be judgy. I just feel like it's totally okay. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, honestly, I mean, if I made a movie and I, I made a scene that was supposed to be really sad and you cried, I'd be like, I'm, I'm, I hope that was okay for you. I hope that that felt good mm. in, a, in a way Yeah, to be able to release that, you know, because that's clearly something you had inside. So, anyway, I think we had one more question. Yeah, and the third question is, our last mm. question is this, which movie or movies um, did you just stare at the screen at the end and ask, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> Uh, thank you kindly in advance for taking the time out of your busy schedules to read my message warmest regards, Blair. Oh, what the hell did I just watch? I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a movie hmm. that just left me... Like, just dumbfounded. I mean, I dumb, there's dumbfounded in a good way. Uh -huh. Like, what the hell was that? That yeah. was amazing. That was mm. so weird. <laughs> but then there's also dumbfounded, like, fuck was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? What, are they even, um, what were they even getting at? What the uh, hell was the point? 
I reviewed a movie once, and I feel like it's like the worst review I gave a movie. Okay. Not not that it was like super uh, negative, just I had nothing to say about this film because I couldn't really figure out what it was. Okay. Uh, it was where did it, I think it's an Argentinian film. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it was a, Den, a Danish uh, Argentinian mm. co-production. Okay, it had Viggo Mortensen in it. It was called oh, How Ha, J A U J A. How Ha. I didn't see that. Okay. And um, it, yeah, it was just about uh, th- these pair of uh, I, I think they were um, either explorers or maybe they were like prospectors of some kind. Mm. And they're sort of lost in the Danish tundra. And they just kind of like wander around and they're really cruel to each other. And Viggo mm. Mortensen ends up wandering into a cave and he f- encounters his older self in there. Yeah. And then it flashes to like the present and a teenage girl throws a doll into the river. And that's the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and ordinarily, I'm very keen on like slow-moving, oblique movies right. like that. But there was just no handle on this one. It was just a little mm. too oblique for me. I, I just couldn't get my fingernails into it. I think uh, that's how I felt. It's it's the opposite. Actually. I think I had too much material, and I think it just felt like mm. it felt like they just filmed whatever and thought if they put it together in the editing room with some voiceover. Mm. It would look profound, but it wasn't. It was just a bunch of fucking stuff. <laughs> and it's from a filmmaker I usually quite admire. It was Night of Cups. Oh, it's a Terrence Malick movie. Ter- yeah. I think it's Terrence Malick's worst movie by far. I think he's made um, a lot of films that kind of just only come yeah. together in the editing room. Uh, was it Song to Song? Yeah, I didn't see Night of Cups, but I did see Song to Song. No, I, totally, I like that one. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think it's his best film. It really does feel like... He got a lot of footage and tried to figure out what the hell it was later. And yeah, he went to a lot of music festivals. So it's yeah. about like musicians and their there, relationship. To there's music. some good bits in it. There's mm-hmm. a bit I think where like Val Kilmer takes a chainsaw to an amp. That's yeah, Val pretty... Kilmer's in it, kind yeah. of playing himself, and he's just sort of like noodling yeah. around on stage. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun. But like, there, there's some good bits in there. But Night of the Cops is just um, Christian Bale. Play, I think plays a filmmaker, and he's thinking about like all the stuff he thinks, and then he's like. <laughs> On a roof with his dad. I think his dad's played by, I think, Brian Dennehy, if memory serves. And they're just sort of, like, not looking at each other, but they're thinking big thoughts. And then he's at, like, a party, and everyone's just kind of not looking at each other and thinking big thoughts. And the big thoughts aren't that fucking big. It really just feels like a, a spectacular amount of nothing. But so much effort went into it and so many talented people were involved. And I'm like, surely I'm missing something. <laughs> This is Terrence Malick here. Even if I don't love everything he does, I appreciate what he's doing. Yeah. And I'm just looking at this and going, I got nothing, Terry. Terry, I got, I really, I'm not seeing it, pal. Mm. I'm really not. I I, I hate to be that guy. (laughs) But I got, that's my job. I got to be honest about the, the, the stuff that I see. And I think you made a, a big old meandering, pointless stinker, and uh, <laughs> so I'm just sort of staring there, like the fuck was that even a? F- I mean, it was a movie. Mm. I don't know why it was a movie. I don't know what you thought you were getting out of it, but anyway, so that's that's when it comes to mind, where I'm just sort of like sort of slack jawed, just wondering. 
yeah what the fuck the point was or, or rather i understood or worse that i understood the point and that's mm-hmm. literally all there was to it like oh th- it can't possibly be as as not interesting as i think it is yeah and uh, near as i can tell yes it is that not interesting very mm-hmm. frustrating film uh but yeah, that, that can take different forms. I'm okay. sure if I went over every film I've ever watched, I could come up with more. Um, but thank you for writing. Yeah, thanks for that. Man. Yeah, it was a fun series of questions. Yeah, What's next? Uh, here's a letter from Hans. Hi, Hi Hans. Hans. Um, Dear Bins and Whitney, uh, I wanted to write in with my top five series. Oh, this is uh, an Iron List quest. Oh, great. Cool. Uh, we, we have a podcast called The Iron List, and uh, it's we do it monthly. Uh, our patrons vote patrons for a can, particular yeah, topic, can, and we vote on the topic. And we each present our, our picks for the ten best whatever our patrons pick. Uh, and then, of course, afterwards, we always invite you to contribute your own thoughts. Did mm-hmm. we did we miss something? Did we not give something enough credit? Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So we, the most recent one was the best movie series That's right. of all time. The whole series so, of uh, films. And this is uh, that topic. Uh, I have not listened to your list yet. Oh. <laughs> okay, so you know the topic. That's fine. But I wanted to write the ones I had down to compare to both of yours, which frankly will be much better than mine, as I still have a lot of catching up to do when it comes to film. Oh, Pasha. pish, we all have our experiences. Um, I found this very difficult, as I, I've not seen every film in a series, or there are one or two films in a series that really stick out like a sore thumb when it comes to quality. I also decided not to exclude trilogies, because the list was difficult enough to make, damn it. Okay. Uh, I don't think two movies makes a series, but three is good enough. Uh, one more quick caveat. Two series in this list have new films coming out very soon of t- as time of writing, mm. but because I'm not important enough to get early screenings, I have not seen them yet, so I'm just going to judge the series on the ones I've seen. We probably haven't fair seen them enough. yet either, so fair enough. Uh, anyway, here in no particular order is my last one, except for my definitive number one. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Ah. Uh, there are actually a few animated series I considered, but... Uh, other- one other will make my list, but I really got the setting and characters in this trilogy. I think it's DreamWorks' most consistent work. Uh, that, that second one is really good. I think the yeah. first two are really superlative, mm. and I think the third one's just okay. Um, mm. I think if there had been a fourth one of even comparable quality to the to the fourth, uh-huh. uh, to the third, sorry, I think I might have included it. But I we we omitted trilogies. Yeah. We both did. You you said a minimum of five films. I said a minimum of four. All right. Yeah. Um, next up, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. Yay! Yes, the third one is weakest, but I still have a great time watching it. It's a mess, but there are some genuinely great moments in it. One and two are both fantastic, though. Um, I, I would argue two is fantastic. <laughs> I don't I think, like one or three. I think one has a. I think one is at an interesting place because it's kind of helping to define what the modern superhero genre would be, and it's making some. Mm creative decisions that other people wouldn't follow and some of them work better than others i love how principled the movie is i love that the movie understands that the fundamental thing about peter parker's life is that it's incredibly difficult yeah and i think if you i think picking sam raimi as a filmmaker for that is perfect because he loves making life difficult for his characters and i think that's why two works so well Mm. because it remembers that no matter what peter parker's life must be horrible even at the last scene where it seems like everything's finally working out for him the movie ends with a shot of on the other hand and i love that Three is a mess, but I think it's an interesting mess. And I would think, I would argue that you, and I thought about including this on my list, actually. And I thought, as much as I defend three, it's a little hard to put it in the top ten. <laughs> but I would argue that you would have to include No Way Home uh, as the conclusion of that. Even though Sam Raimi oh, didn't direct yeah, that yeah. one, uh, that is the conclusion of Tobey Maguire's story. Yeah. And I actually think No Way Home 
Uh, again, a bit sloppy at times. I I really admire the way that that film brings together two previous series that did not get to end on their own terms and end them in a satisfyingly dramatic way. Mm. I think it, it it's fan service, sure, but I actually think it ended up being like solid dramatic conclusion to those. So I, I yeah, I would include that, especially if you include No Way Home. I think it works pretty good. Okay. What's next? Uh, next up is the Mission Impossibles, or excuse me, next up is Toy Story. Oh. I skipped ahead. Uh, oh, Toy no. Story. I like all of these. I know Bibbs uh, isn't that big of a fan of four, but yeah. I really did like it. The first two were a big part of my childhood, and they all hold up, in my opinion. Um, I, I do like that fourth one, just because it's kind of strange. It uh, is strange. No, I, no one's arguing that it's not strange. It's, it's kind of odd, because uh, you sort of get to see the the place of the toys in like their owner's lives change as, yeah. as the characters age. Um, in, in the first one, the toys are sort of like, uh, uh like a brother, like a, a, yeah. a, a playmate, like a friend. Yeah. Like the they're boy, almost yeah. on an even keel. Yeah. yeah and, that, and that second one, they're, um, I guess they're it's kind of, the, kind of well, the they're same, collectors' items, and that's, that's they're right, kind of wrestling yeah. with being having a different kind of value. Mm, so um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're they're valuable as sort of art objects, but not as toys yeah. anymore. And the third uh, one, they've been outgrown, and what yeah. happens to you when you're a secondhand toy? Yeah, like a, yeah. The, the sort of you provided something of value to me, and now it's time to sort of say goodbye. Yeah, and and the fourth one is like. Grandpa gets to have fun now. <laughs> Grandpa's taken care of you long enough, he gets to have his own life. There's a couple of things going on in 4 that I think are good, and there's a couple of things going on in 4 that I really don't like. Mm. Um, I think that there's an undercurrent in 4 about uh, disability, in mm. terms of like the, the so-called villain of the piece is actually just trying to be, get to a place where they feel like people will love me even though... I, I because I'm not broken anymore, and I think there's a real uh-huh. tragedy to that. And I think the movie understands that. And I think that's quite well handled. I think mm. a lot of it. Um, but the two things I don't like about it, it's not that Grandpa gets to have fun. Mm. Grandpa it's, gives up his toy. He he gives his voice box to the other. Character. He does do that. And I like yeah. that. And I think that was that was a noble thing to do. But for me, a, the big part of that movie is now that I'm not the favorite toy, mm. I get to abandon the child. Yeah, and. <laughs> the way that they handle it is a little over is a little overly much, if you ask me. But the biggest problem for me in that movie is Forky, and I know a lot of people really like Forky. Forky yeah, is Forky's a character. Hilarious. Forky is a character who uh, was originally a spork and got turned into a toy, uh-huh. and and it was imbued with consciousness in yeah. that moment. So it, yeah. it comes to life, even though it's not really a toy, and, and he, it, it thinks it's a spork. Well, <laughs> Sporky keeps saying, "No, you understand. Not only am I a spork, I'm a disposable item. I am trash. Yeah. I am meant to be." put away something else yeah and everyone says no 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 no. you don't understand this this person who has given you life loves you and wants you to be this one specific thing and in order to love them back and in order to be a good person you have to be that specific thing for them Mm. even though you are repeatedly telling everyone that that is not your identity and i do not think they thought out that subplot very well because (laughs) think about that for one fucking second what is the real world allegory to that that's actually I, not fucking cool. I, I, I couldn't really say it's a spork. There are multiple I think ways to interpret that. I think there's a very clear real-world allegory there, which is mm-hmm. at the very least subtextually anti-trans, and I don't think they or, thought it out or, very or well. Or just anti-queer in general. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, certainly. But regardless, I feel as though it, at the 
at best, uh-huh. not very well thought out. Mm. And I find it incredibly distracting, and frankly, I find it very painful. Okay. So I don't care for that in that movie, and I think it really brings the whole movie down. Right. Even though there's good stuff in it. I right. like stuff in that movie. Uh, I, I I was just sort of taken by the, the mm. comedy, the scenario. The other, it's, it's, a, a, it's a walking spork. The other thing that they did in that movie that is weird to me hmm. is... The technology, obviously, Pixar has been using has improved by leaps and bounds. That's yeah. n- no no doubt about it. When you compare Toy Story 1, which is very rudimentary by modern CGI standards, mm-hmm. to Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3, it's clear that improvements have been made. Lighting, texture, so much more is possible. Um, 4 is so hyper-realistic in so many of its backgrounds and character designs uh-huh. that it no longer feels like it's of the same world. And I, I actually think they went <laughs> too far. Oh, I, th- I think I think was, I think I, I found remember, it very distancing. Uh, there was uh, a lot of scenes that take place in an antique shop in Toy Story yeah. Four, and there was a cat in the antique shop, yeah. and the cat is is a very realistic looking cat. Yeah, uh, and they compared that to the dog from the first one, sure. which which looks more. Like you do that on a wristwatch these days. Yeah. it's like you know, as as rudimentary as it looks. Yeah, but there's a, there's a scene at the beginning where like. Woody is trying to save Bo Peep and they're like in a driveway and it's raining and it looks photorealistic around them and I'm like now they look out of place for me actually I found it I found it actually taking me out of the movie it was, uh-huh. it, I, animation doesn't have to be photorealistic in order to be no. uh, effective and I think some, well, there's the a to- time and a place for it the Toy Story movies do take place in the real world it's just this fantastical element the toys it's a pretty around. fantastical element yeah. I'm willing to have uh, whatever anyway yeah. It went from stylized to right. weird combination of stylized. I, I love Toy Story Four. I think it's it's Fair kind, of, kind of whimsical. Um, uh, Mission Impossible. These are some ridiculous mm-hmm. action films that maybe sometimes take themselves too seriously, yeah. but that doesn't take away from them having consistently some of the best action set pieces in uh, modern action franchise. Uh, agreed. Yeah, um, I actually really like most of the Mission yeah. Impossible movies. The the second one is garbage, but the f- <laughs> it's watchable garbage. It's not it's not like painful garbage. Uh-huh. It's just not working on the level that all the other ones are. Yeah, it feels just like they didn't know what it was. Mm. Uh, I feel like there's a the. The screenplay, which I think was by Robert Townsend, who wrote Chinatown, is very clearly <laughs> trying to be a classier, mm. kind of notorious kind of spy movie, more character-centric. But then John Woo wasn't really feeling that, and he wanted to just add more ludicrous action. It didn't really combine yeah. very well. Uh, the, the third one's efficient. I feel like it's mm. like kind of TV direction. I think it's kind of the best uh, storytelling that they've got. It's got a great villain. Philip Seymour Hoffman's amazing. Philip Seymour Hoffman's a great actor. Yeah. Um, by the time they got to the fourth, they were like starting to hit their stride. Mm, at least in terms uh, of with, stunts. Yeah. The stunts are amazing in that so movie, the, yeah. the, the, That fourth one is where he's like climbing up the exterior of yeah. the Bridge Khalifa. And, um, that one drives me nuts though because the villain like never even like exchanges sentences with Ethan Hunt. Mm. So at the end when it just boils down to and then we're going to fist fight in a car park, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Right now, they have nothing to to duke yeah. it out over, but, and I'm not the, really invested. But the 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 Burj Khalifa bit's so amazing; it's yeah. hard to be mad at it. And and that fifth movie is just impeccable That's from so beginning to end. Cool. It's so good. So and Fallout's awesome too. I got nothing against Fallout. Yeah, Fallout, are, I, I I like Rogue uh, Rogue Nation a little better, but Fallout's yeah. got some amazing shit in it. Yeah, and, and I know they're working on a seventh and an eighth at yeah. the same time. I, I and also I really like the first one. I think the first Brian De Palma one uh, is a bit more of a spy movie. Oh. It just has like that one big crazy thing that happens at the end, but I actually think before that's really solid. The reason why I didn't include Mission Impossible on my list or in my honorable mentions is because there's another Mission Impossible movie I haven't seen: Mission Impossible versus the Mob. 
Oh, you haven't seen that one? Came out of the 1960s, featured was, the cast of the original show. It was, uh, from what I understand, uh, several episodes of the show edited into a film. But it was theatrically released, was theatrically and for released, my yeah. and again, my rule was, if I haven't seen every single one, I couldn't in good conscience put them out there. Oh, okay. So, awesome series, though. No mm. doubt about it. No doubt about it. Just, it was one I hadn't seen, and I didn't feel like... I felt like, as a film critic, I, I would be remiss... If I called it, this is the greatest film series ever, but I haven't seen one of them. All right. Yeah. Uh, next up is John Wick. Uh, yeah. Basically, everything I just said about Mission Impossible applies here. Again, I have not seen uh, Chapter 4 yet as a mm. time of writing, but I plan to see it this weekend. The three I have seen, though, are just mm. a blast to watch. Uh, uh, you, you, we recorded our, I think we recorded our podcast about film series before you saw John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, yes, and I, I've yeah. since seen it. Uh, we haven't done Critically Acclaimed this week, just because... Uh, we uh, because I haven't had a chance to see scheduling things. things. That's, that's um, just scheduling, and that's br- on me, and I'm sorry about that. Briefly, uh, the John Wick series uh, was astonishing when John Wick came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Wick looked like some sort of disposable mid-budget actioner. It came this close to going straight to video. It and, really did. Uh, and it, it came out in theaters, and it was striking for how uh, how frills-free it was. Yeah, it was very straightforward, very simple story. Yeah, very simple character, very stoic. It's very simple by, motivation, uh, very believable motivation. Uh, uh, played by Keanu Reeves, so he's not a very talky character, <laughs> and. Uh, and then they also and, they and the action punctu- was amazing. Yeah, they punctuated that with some like really yeah. balletic, well choreographed fight sequences. Yeah, uh, in you know, a lot of gun fu and headshots. Yeah. Uh, by the time you get to chapter four, which is nearly three hours in length, yeah, that it's just gristle at this point. The leanness <laughs> is gone. It's like now now they're in this weird sort of Byzantine uh, assassins guild that has all these weird rules and and. Uh, Formalities that they're constantly going over time and time again. That's the thing. Uh, that's the thing about the John Wick movies. And again, I haven't seen four yet, and I'm going to try to watch it before we record the next critically acclaimed. But um, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Yeah, like, it, I couldn't it, tell you. I've seen them and I liked them. I couldn't tell you the plot to two and three. Yeah, two, I could tell you like the end of two because it was cool, and the first act of three because it's hmm. one of the best action movies ever made yeah, the, the the first like yeah 25 30 minutes of of john wick three is really amazing it's so fucking great but then they like and, and then I, just I, keep going and i don't just, know what the it, hell's happening it's keep, anymore it keeps going and they're trying to like clear his name because he's been excommunicated yeah. from the assassin's you're, you're becoming guild or something so much about and, your mythology and you're losing the fact that this is about a guy and his dog and his dead wife yeah and that's why i and care I was, and i was trekking out into the desert and maybe yeah. traveling through like, time like, to, I, to meet I, the very first assassin or I something i admit it's cool i just don't i don't feel it as hard as i i still think i haven't seen four yet with the exception of the first act of John Wick Chapter Three, I still think the first one's the best because yeah. it works best as a as a movie, as a yeah, story. Yeah. Um, there's some pretty spectacular action sequences in Chapter Four. I bet there's a lot of them. <laughs> Boy, howdy, there's a lot of them. Yeah, uh, there's a. I'm not going to give it too much away, but there's yeah. a, a scene in the movie where they just say, "Okay, I'm here, you're a villain. We're going to fight." Sure. Okay, okay. where do you want to fight? We're going to fight in France. Okay. Everything's set up. Uh, but before we can meet, there mm. has to be an action sequence. You know, one, like, last sure. big fight before they get there. And you think, okay, he's going to, like, kill a few guys and fight his uh, fight his way to the, the site of the film's climax. Okay. Takes 37 minutes of film, mm-hmm. that, that fight, before they get to the climax. Well, and it's, it's a really tough fight, I'll bet. Three separate action sequences just sort of, like, glued together. It's, it's too much. It's too much. I'm tired. Choose choose one and stick with it. Don't get, don't give us all three. Uh, 
And finally, the number one series on this list mm. is the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. Uh, this for me is the most consistent horror series in terms of quality, and if the trajectory of the film series is so strange that I almost wonder how it works so well. I'm also a big Sam Raimi fan, also Spider-Man. Uh, two of his series made this list. Sure. But uh, even the remake directed by Fede Alvarez was quite good. Really Fingers good. crossed that Evil Dead Rise, there's, that's the next yeah. film in the series, lives up to what is one of my favorite film series. There's my list. I'm sure it'll differ from, yeah. differ from both of yours, but I'm eager to find out about series that I've never heard of or didn't bother to check out before regards Hans. Well, I think there's probably a few of those on the list that we ended up putting together. Uh, I love the Evil Dead movies. Uh-huh. Um, I have some critiques of the first one in particular that even Sam Raimi shares, uh, but it's still one of the great like first movie calling cards anyone's yeah, ever made. Uh, like, oh my god, what the fuck? Who is this? I, I remember um, one of the one of the guys on, uh, at Red Letter Media. I'm very fond of them. Yeah. Uh, he he said that when he was like a teenager, he watched the Evil Dead movies, and it was the first time he realized a, a director made this like yeah. somebody made these decisions like the yeah. style is so striking that you, you know, even if you're not really paying attention you, you kind of notice well, and, and that's one of the cool things about the first two in particular is that they're really even though he had more money in evil dead 2 you still see the seams yeah you yeah. still see the wire on the flying eyeball and everything mm-hmm. like that and there's something about that that doesn't feel bad or incompetent or cheap it actually feels tactile mm. and you you form a connection not just to the movie but to the people making it and you appreciate yeah, the you effort can... and the and the humor and the creativity that went in and, and the uh, effort that went into it uh so i love those movies to pieces and the again the only reason i didn't put uh, them on my list was because there's one coming out in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I hear good things, but I'll well, we'll, find we'll out. See. I'll find out for myself. That, that remake was was pretty uh, good. Uh, the the violence is good. Really I think the good. gore is really amazing. The monster stuff is yeah. really cool. I think the they, they tried to like tell an actual story, and I think that part <laughs> kind of stinks. I think it uh, worked. I like. I I think that they're the approach that they had and the new excuse for why they're going to the cabin in the woods. Mm. I think it added another, uh, a little bit of a, uh, another layer. I uh, think it, it not, but, it's uh, not a very distracting layer. I still think it ultimately it's basically the same thing. But you know, I think it, I, they made it their own. I do like, and uh, th- there's no way Sam Raimi planned this out. But if you look at mm-hmm. the uh, arc of Ash, the character from the Evil Dead movies and the yeah. TV series, uh, he he starts out as just sort of an average college guy, right, and. By the end of the third movie, mm. he's a complete asshole. <laughs> like that's his arc. He just becomes yeah. worse as a person. I he becomes you're... better at movie at like yeah. fighting monsters, yeah. like movie monster fighting. Uh, but he get he gets uh, meaner and stupider as the films go on. <laughs> I thought you were going to compare him to John Wick because he starts oh. off with just a, this random Latin student in moccasins, and by the end, he's like this muscle-bound, shirtless guy with a chainsaw hand fighting off a whole army of, of undead monsters. But but he, he, he didn't really grow... Like, it's like the one thing he's good at is yeah. fighting monsters, and he, yeah. he's dumb and sucks at everything else. Yeah. Have we ever seen John Wick do anything else? I suppose not. I guess he can drive same, like, good, but that's that ancillary to all the killing. I I just would can, love to see John Wick. Can he make what, a good omelet? What is John Wick bad at? Can he like not garden to save his life? <laughs> like I, I tried. I planted a nasturtium once. You don't understand. Once <laughs> I killed my fern. <laughs> <laughs> then you must die, Mister Wick. Ah <laughs> oh, shit. Moving on. All right. Here's a letter from Moses. Hi, Moses. Uh, 
Uh, Dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool. Oh, that's my nickname. You can call me Rockmeister McCool Please if you do. like. Um, I spent the last several days laid up in a hospital bed. Oh, oh my no. gosh, I'm so sorry. With tubes sticking out of me. Ooh, rough. I've been bored out of my skull. It's been virtually impossible to get comfortable. Uh, one of my few mm. distractions from this has been your podcasts. The mm. entertainment value alone cannot be calculated. Thank you. I'm glad that's you very kind. I'm glad we could do that for you. Yeah. Situation. Uh, while lying here, I've been uh, thinking of my late father. He adored movies. He taught himself English in Israel because he couldn't stand subtitles. Uh, this, however, did bring some hilarious linguistic quirks. My sister and I categorized, uh, categorized as speaking like the outlaw Yossi Vales. <laughs> From Yo- inner space. Yeah. Yossi, Yossi outlaw Yossi Vales. Yossi Vales. Um, what a flick. Uh, I thought it might be nice to honor his memory by sending you guys a list of films that were uh, he was most enthusiastic about sharing with me. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, we rarely got along, but when it came to movies... That was all set aside for a bag of popcorn and the silver screen. So in no particular order. I love this. Uh, King Kong, 1930 here. Nice. There's nothing better than magic brought to life, and this was the gold standard. Carl Denham was a sleazebag willing to do anything to get what he wanted. Fay Ray was the damsel in distress. Uh, King Kong has some... Uh, unsettling undertones. Well, it's of its... God knows yeah. it's of its time, isn't it? And it yeah, um, and some racist caricatures in there as well. Yeah, but there's also some remarkable filmmaking yeah, in it. And when we can take the bad yeah. and acknowledge it, but while also admiring the good, because there's incredible visual effects in there, and there's, yeah, yeah. there's uh, good stuff. The Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, one mm. Sunday afternoon, a local station showed all three films back-to-back-to-back to back to back with commercials and no VCR. Must have been over ten hours. Nice. Did it lessen my dad's enthusiasm? Nope. Clint Eastwood's Man With No Name was the most dangerous man on earth. Any of Marconi's theme to the good, the bad, and the ugly was my dad's theme music. Nice. Um, my dad also loves those movies. Sure. Uh, uh, of Dollars, the first one, yeah. um, was a, a remake of Yojimbo. Rather, it was a ripoff of your Jimbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akira was sued successfully. Successfully. Yeah. Undisclosed amount. I think he got a, a cut of the royalties. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think it was out of court. But regardless, they were like, okay, uh, we did it. And, we're and, sorry. Uh, and Kurosawa was actually uh, very diplomatic about it. It's like, oh, yeah. I actually very much, I loved Sergio Leone's movie. It was my movie. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm just yeah. not going to pretend it's not my movie. Yeah. You, can't, you can't make me. So like he he and his co-screenwriter ended up getting a cut. But, uh, but that wasn't I all. Think. That wasn't all. Sergio Leone had to him, and indeed yeah. his next movie for a few dollars more is also really really good. Yeah, well, he did a few for a few dollars more, which is the one I haven't seen. Okay. And then he did the Good of the Bad and the Ugly, which I've only seen the extended cut of. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen basically the same. Movie. Yeah. Well, just like it's longer. F- Fifteen or twenty extra minutes. It's, it's one, not. But, um, it's not like you've seen an entirely different vision. It's just it's the longer yeah. version of it. Yeah. Uh, my dad maintains that the second one is the best. Okay. And he's the only person I've ever heard say that. Okay. And when I told him there was another Sergio Leone Western called Duck, You Sucker. Yeah. A.K.A. A Fistful of Dynamite. It's got uh, Rod Steiger and James Coburn. Yeah, I love um, that movie. Uh, I liked it, too. It's yeah. kind of a love triangle movie. Uh, yeah. James Coburn plays a Scot and cannot do a Scottish oh, accent to oh, save oh, his oh. life. He's, he's totally miscast. It's incredible. Rod Steiger, I think, plays a Mexican character. Yeah, it's, it's miscast, but the, he gives a better performance. Yeah. Uh, and... That one came through the local Cinematheque. I was playing at the Arrow Theater over yeah. in Santa Monica, and I, my dad and I watched, got to watch that together. That's so cool. I, I, too, got to bond uh, with my dad over some of those movies. That's nice. Um, let's see. Da-da-da. The next up is Psycho. Oh. Um, just as the movie started, he told me who the killer was. <laughs> <laughs> By halfway... <laughs> it's kind of a dick move. Um <laughs> 
But halfway through the movie, I was calling my father a liar. It isn't Norman, it's his mother. My dad just laughed and said, oh, keep watching. I love that it still managed to get you anyway. I love that. That's amazing. That's so great. You lied to me, Dad. Uh, my, sing- my, my mom, when she was she was uh, actually, uh, a kid, I think she was like 13, uh-huh. when Psycho came out. And her parents took her to see Psycho. But her dad had a quirk. He didn't respect cinema the way a lot of people do now. Uh, his whole thing was, if we leave before the movie is over, we'll beat the traffic. Okay. So they left before the twist. Okay. So my mom didn't know the ending of Psycho for a very long oh, time. Even though she saw it in the opening theatrical run. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, you're, so uh, you were saying. Next up is Singing in the Rain. Um, I suspect he only made me watch this one because of Donald O'Connor's Make Him Laugh. Highlight of the movie, yeah. And because he had the hots for Sid Charisse. Wow. He never missed it. Uh, I love Singing in the Rain. Yeah, it's great. I think it's uh, just a really important bedrock of, like, movie musicals in the 1950s. Kind of uh, nostalgia piece for silent silent cinema Mm -hmm. and its movement to sound. It really hits a lot Um, of sweet spots, yeah. Yeah. uh, good, uh, Good double feature with Babylon. I think, uh, I'm, I fond, think, I'm fond of Babylon. I will defend I, it. I think uh, if you've I, seen, I seen the Rain, Babylon. you literally never need to see Babylon. I think everyone should see Babylon because I like Babylon I think you should just see uh, the bit where, uh, from the point from where Samara Weaving says, who wants to see my dad fight a snake, until the end of that sequence, that is must-see cinema. <laughs> Everything else in that film, you do not need it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do love Singing in the Rain, but... Okay. I fast forward through the gotta dance number. <laughs> I it's, it's this We've talked about it. Twenty a lot. minute dream ballet. Get, get it out. I don't don't need it. That, that's it's not fine. really about narrative thrust at that point. But the thing is, the movie's no. almost over. Like, why are we doing it's, this it's now? Like, it's almost over. Please. It's what do you do in the middle of the movie? It's such a weird. That, choice. That's that's when you leave to beat the traffic. Yeah. Um, a movie called What a Way to Go. I don't know this movie. I know this um, if there was ever a film that convinced uh, me. Dad had a very special macabre sense of humor. This was it. He practically giggled with anticipation just before the next husband would meet his end. Oh, what a uh, way to go. It's a Shirley MacLaine film. Uh-huh. A four-time widow discusses her four marriages in which all of her husbands became incredibly rich and died prematurely because of their drive to be rich. Hmm. Sounds interesting. It's directed by J. Lee Thompson. Oh, I don't know that movie. Shirley MacLaine, Paul Newman, Robert Mitchum, Dean Martin, Gene Kelly, and Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Gee, how the fuck have I not seen this, this? Oh my god I, yeah. I, This is gonna jump up to the front of my list right, you What a way to go uh, What, what okay. year did it come out? Uh, 64 60, Oh okay Yeah uh, Weird Alright thank you for Thank you for alerting us to amazing. this Sounds amazing Alright yeah. uh, Next up on the list is The Pink Panther Strikes Again ah. Oh this one's really funny I don't think another movie Has made him laugh more From Peter Sellers And Burt Quoke Beating the crap out of each other To Her- Herbert Lom's masterfully comedic descent into supervillain level insanity. Herbert Lom yeah. does not get enough credit no. for being sort of the comedic backbone of those early Pink Panther. No, movies. he's incredible. He goes from being the comedic foil to being Lex Luthor, mm. and it's you—you you, you can't really tell where the shift happened. Yeah, like, he's just so perfect, and you can't really blame him because Clouseau is that annoying. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But you also love him. It's such a great, such a great mix. Yeah, the the, the first three or four. I think if you leave out the Alan Arkin one, the first. First four are perfect. Yeah, yeah. I think Ellen Arkin did one that's just called Inspector Clouseau. It's not very good. Not very good. No, but the Uh, first four Peter Sellers ones are just fit. Actually, no. The later ones without Peter Sellers don't watch. You know what? I'm actually not a huge fan of the original Pink Panther because that's mostly 
David Niven movie, and it's oh. okay. But <laughs> A Shot in the Dark, mm. Pink Panther Returns, I think, and then Big Panther Strikes Again. Uh, those three. Yeah, I think so. Those three are like an impeccable comedic trilogy. Yeah, yeah, those are all great. Um, I think it's the Pink Panther Strikes Again where they keep driving the car into the swimming pool. Awesome. There's a sequence where they're like fishing the car out of the swimming pool and the next one drives in. I forgot about uh, that. I think that's also the one where he actually accidentally vacuums up the parrot. Um, there's, there's all kinds of strange stuff in that movie. It's wonderful. You know you've got a good comedic bit when you're laughing just hearing just, about yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up is Rocky. Yeah. Uh, the film epitomized his view of the American dream, sadly never achieved. Mm. Work hard, believe in your goal in one day or another, you'll be a winner. Mm. Um my favorite bit about Rocky is that he didn't win. Yeah. Uh, I like that he lost in a split decision. He proved to himself that he could win. And that, yeah. was, that was enough. That was a victory in that he, he proved that he was a contender. He proved yeah. that he had what it takes to be in that ring. Yeah. That's what mattered. And yeah. I, I think that's why I object to Rocky II so much. It yeah. feels like the, the Hollywood version of the same movie. I, it's like, oh, he's, we'll do it again, but he gets to win this time. It's like, no, I, I think the, that's, the point was that he didn't win. I think that's it's an oversimplification kinda, of Rocky II, but fair enough. Yeah, that, that, that's for me. Um... Uh, young Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, one, one Saturday night, Dad announced he was taking me to the local movie local movie theater to see this. I had no idea it was a comedy. I took my seat, uh, scared to death. <laughs> I loved it so much. We came back the next day to watch it again. <laughs> when, it was, and it starts scary because it, it is the coffin opens and there's that corpse inside. Yeah, well, that's one of the beautiful things about Young Frankenstein, and that's one of the reasons why I think it's aged better than any of the other, mm. uh, even Blazing Saddles, which is also great. Any of the other Mel Brooks spoofs is that. At a glance, it's indistinguishable from the thing it's Saturday. Yeah. Like, if you just saw a shot... shot, shot it in black and white. He shot yeah. it on the same sets it as some of those legit. Yeah. It looks legit. Mm. It, but that just makes the silliness that much funnier, because yeah. you should, it, you're not taking it seriously. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Uh, next up is Blazing Saddles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a little I can say other than watching your own father laugh his head off at an epic-level fart joke. <laughs> it's a revelation of near-biblical proportions. It, it's one of the few times I've laughed at a fart in a movie. Fart jokes are usually kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, I, pre- I prefer the belch myself. Um, yeah. But uh, Blazing Saddles is one that my family also watched pretty sure. frequently. I think it's that's true for a lot of households. Sure. And it was one of those movies where it's like, we're going to start Blazing Saddles. Like, oh, we've seen this so many times. But within a Do few minutes. you have to minutes, watch you're... Blazing Saddles again? And yeah. By... Within a few minutes, you're it's all like, wrapped okay, up. Okay, yeah, you're, you're back yeah. again. It's one, of those, it's one of those comedies... So much of comedy is based off of sort of what's unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sometimes even a really good comedy doesn't age great just because you're anticipating the humor. Uh-huh. Uh, the better Mel Brooks movies, you can watch them over and over. Yeah, he uh, just keeps finding ways to surprise you, even if you've seen it. It's great. Uh, I saw it as a kid, so maybe this is mm-hmm. part of part of why I'm so fond of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have gone back and watched it as an adult, and I think it is still very funny. But that's uh, Spaceballs. Spaceballs uh, is great. Spaceballs, it's a spoof of Star Wars. Movie. I've seen Spaceballs way more than I've seen Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it broke the fourth wall. It so frequently i didn't believe in the fourth wall anymore it's uh there's a a brilliant metagag in Spaceballs where they the villains need to pass some time they're looking for the heroes and they can't find them it's like we're bored what are we going to do and they decide to watch a video cassette Uh and the video the cassette they watch is Spaceballs. they watch the movie they're in well what they're saying is like we don't know what to do next and then there's like well we could just see what happens next in the movie Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it turns out the, 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 the line between theatrical release and home video release is so small now that it's already out on home video while we're making the movie. 
that joke has aged very well. It, it's aged very well, and, and it's very strange when they fast-forward through the first part of the movie. Yeah. They see the embarrassing things they've done earlier in the movie. It's like, <laughs> fast-forward through this part. Don't, don't ever show this again. <laughs> so like commenting on the, like, the characters, you know, what they did. And then they get to the scene they're in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this weird mirror effect, because we're looking right at the screen. It's so great. It's like, my... my I was like maybe nine years old and my well, brain when just was then? Yeah. Just now. <laughs> <laughs> when does this happen in the movie? We're looking at now. This is now, now. What about then? We that passed, was then. We passed then. <laughs> when? When? Just now. We passed it now. <laughs> so great. When will then be now? Soon. Soon. <laughs> Very inspired. Last film on the list is The Untouchables. Oh, um, great movie. The last film we... Uh, we went to the theater together for. Uh, he knew he was going to love it. We popped our own popcorn, grabbed half a dozen cans of pop, and hid it under our coats. From the opening percussions to Ennio Morcone, Morricone's soundtrack, I knew my dad had picked another winner. Mm. Uh, not a list based on any real critical thinking, but in the end, I've always felt the most important criteria was how a film made you feel. Mm. Uh, all the best, Moses. Moses, that's really beautiful. I've talked a lot about how my mom was actually really instrumental to introducing me to a lot of cinema. Mm. She was always more of the cinema aficionado. Yeah. Uh, she's still, like, when I talk to her today, she's still just like, yeah, I was just watching this old British film called Nurse Edith Cavill. Have you seen Nurse Edith Cavill yet? I'm like, no, Mom, I haven't seen Nurse Edith Cavill yet. Well, get on it! I'm like, sorry. Very committed, and that's where a lot of this comes from. Mm. My dad... Was lived a little less in the cinema, but he had his passions. He loved uh, World War II films and uh, uh, Roman epics, uh-huh. even as he was simultaneously infuriated at them because he knew enough about the history of World War II and ancient Rome. He knew when everything was wrong. <laughs> he was hated. Oh, he would have loved that movie Greyhound. Uh, probably. Uh, yeah, he probably would have really loved nothing it. but like yeah. Oh, wartime details. I guarantee you he would have loved that movie because I was watching Gladiator with him and like that opening scene where they're fighting uh, in Germania and like he, my dad literally turns to me in the theater opening week and I was like they'd never flank like that. I'm like <laughs> what are you were you there? So that was always funny. We watched a lot of World War II movies together um, but the ones that I remember more vividly uh, were the ones because my dad my dad had two modes when it mm-hmm. comes to cinema serious historical shit yeah like master and commander master, he, he I don't remember if we actually talked about master and commander together but you know stuff like uh, cross of iron uh-huh. or or hell is for heroes great movie hell is for heroes by the way um, or the Stupidest fucking comedies. One of my dad's favorite movies ever. A Night at the Roxbury. That's a stupid movie, A Night at the Roxbury. You know what it also is? Quite funny. And I have a huge soft spot for that movie just because I remember my dad just thinking it was the funniest thing ever. Same thing with Three Amigos. He just thought that was the funniest fucking movie anyone had ever made. And... As a result, every time I watch it, it's got problems. But the good stuff is so fucking funny, mm. and I can rem- I can hear my dad's laughter Aww. when I watch it. So I will always have a soft spot for that movie, no matter what. Oh, what about you? Do you have anything that's like? Um, 
when we first got a VCR uh, and at my mom's house, mm-hmm. um, we didn't have enough money to sort of like amass a video collection sure. just yet. I didn't start collecting videos until a little later, so it I just didn't watched get cheap was, until later. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I I only watched what was kind of in the house. Yeah. Um, when we first got our VCR, somebody gave us three videos, um, or I guess gave us four. Uh, George Cukor's Little Women, which I didn't watch. Uh, the <laughs> secret great movie. The Secret Garden, which okay. I didn't watch. Oh, uh, the nineties version or the uh, no no the the forties version okay uh, Man of La Mancha which I didn't watch okay. I don't want to see these movies because you know I've, I was a little kid I was averse to sort of older cinema yeah. and, and my mom never said I'm gonna sit down and watch these movies and I actually quite got nobody okay. said that to me I've never like, seen Man of La Mancha, hey, hey you want to watch these old yeah. movies like no I want to watch cartoons so All I right. did that instead I'm you know I'm eight years old. Uh, and then they also gave us uh, a clamshell version of The Wizard of Oz, which I watched incessantly. Uh, that was a movie I watched like multiple times in a day, that mm. kind of a thing. Uh, I got to know the, the Wizard of Oz very, very well. Uh, and so when it came time for like me to select a movie, that's what I would choose. So I'd watch that with my mom sometimes. A little bit later, when they first introduced, and this was a novelty at the time, a mm. box set of VHS cassettes yeah. of, of the first three Indiana Jones movies. Oh, I remember that. This set. was like in yeah eighty nine ninety. I also had, and we also got Batman. So mm. when these adventure films kind of came into contemporary adventure films came into the house, I watched those incessantly as well. Sure. Uh, first and third Indiana Jones more than the second. Uh, hey, fair enough. I re- I rewatched uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Of, <laughs> For the first time in a long time recently. Yeah. And uh, it, it doesn't hold up. There's a lot it's, of that movie that's really, I mean, it's, really racist. It's, it's racist, but it's also just like shabbily told. Like, it's not a very yeah. good story. No, it's, it's really all over the place. Yeah. I kind of like how episodic it is. Mm. And I think that's part of it. But it also a lot bunch of that. Here's, here's the thing of that movie, though. There's some amazing set pieces, though. Oh yeah! So like once once you just sit down and you just watch the minecart chase, oh. it's just like okay, in a vacuum, this is the coolest fucking thing ever, isn't it? <laughs> I think we can all agree that in yeah. a vacuum, this is the coolest fucking thing ever. It's just connected to yeah, all that racism and sexism, <laughs> a lot of sexism. But um, yeah, the older I get, uh-huh. the more I have come to the conclusion that. Overall, pound for pound, mm. I think Last Crusade is the best one. Last Crusade is is it's the best one. Yeah, uh, most Nazi death. That's a lot which of I'm, Nazi which death. I'm in favor of. Uh, yeah. Indiana Jones kills three Nazis with one bullet in that, guy, in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all just standing yeah. in a row. He just squeezes a trigger, just penetrates all yeah. of them. Uh, yeah, and then he like knocks it. I think he kills the most. Oh, no, it kills the most people in Temple of Doom. I think it kills most people yeah. in Temple of Doom as well. But I could be wrong about that. But yeah, um, but yeah I just think I just think all the set pieces work really, really mm-hmm. great. The character works a lot stronger. Well, and uh, you know. Raiders of Lost Ark is, is an excellent film. Mostly, uh, yeah. I've, uh, I, I think I said this on a podcast recently. I, I, I really enjoy that it's a story about uh, uh, made by a Jewish director mm-hmm. uh, and a Jewish artifact, the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Laying waste to a bunch of Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not, cool. Yeah, that's, it, that, that's that's just genuinely cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the second one is it's uh, uh, it's a Hindu artifact. Uh, yeah, but but not like one that's like known. I think it's, it's one not, that, it's it's one that, famous. They kind of made it up for the movie. The, the version I we saw in the movie. I I, I, I couldn't I, say. Yeah. I couldn't say. Uh, the third film is a Christian artifact. It's yes. the, the Holy Grail. Indeed. Uh, by the time we got to the fourth movie, 
it wasn't a religious artifact anymore. It was it was a science fiction artifact. It was a crystal skull. And yeah, I mean, and there's, there's there's a history of it, but it yeah. seems to be mostly apocryphal. And, and again, yeah. and again, like like the Shankara stones, it, yeah. they kind of made up this version of it. It wasn't based on any kind of actual specific crystal, crystal skull yeah. myth. Like again, based I, on like I'm no expert. There, I'm not going to speak to that. I, I I know that there are. Um, like very remote uh, tribes of people living in the Amazon who mm. carved crystal skulls and like used them in rituals. Okay, I I, I don't know the, the vast history of it. Surely somebody could write in and correct me on any of this. Um, mm. If they had gone with that, like that version of a crystal skull, that would have been fine. But they yeah. just left straight to flying saucers and space aliens. Well, because that's the whole. I mean, that's the whole rhetoric for all every Indiana Jones movie. Though is it's not just an artifact; it's real. Yeah, that's every single one. Mm. And I have no objection whatsoever to be, be having a sci-fi explanation because why the fuck mm. not? They're all pulp stories. That's not mm. my concern. It just it, doesn't feel like it. Th- that that kind of it just feels kind of thrown together at the end, though. It doesn't really well, feel that, like that that, hef- that hefty holy mysticism that yeah. surrounds all the other ones is missing. From well, it doesn't one. really feel like the ending has that kind of potency because at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, again, a Jewish artifact kills Nazis. Mm. A Christian artifact. Also kills Nazis, but at the very least, this is sort of betraying what their ethos is, that we mm-hmm. think that we are the chosen, and well, no, you're not. You're assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, the, and in the second one as well, it's, a, it's a, a religious artifact that has that needs to be returned to its people. There's a respect, there's a reverence for it, and it's, it, it's, there's a respect for these things in their original context. Mm. I didn't really feel that coming from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but you know what? I know less about that than I do about a lot of the others. If I'm wrong, please let me know. But uh, I, I can say I watched those Indiana Jones films multiple times just because yeah. we had the VHS in our house. Yeah. Uh, when I turned 15 or so, when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. that's when I was like really getting into movies in earnest. That's when I was going to the video store a lot more. Uh, my dad uh, took me to a blockbuster video, and this is a little little bit of a bonding experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, pick out a movie or two and I'll buy them for you. Huh. And it's like, oh, great. Thanks, dad. Exciting. And I went through all of the sale videos at Blockbuster Video. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm, well, do I want Hellraiser 1 and 2? Do I want Halloween? Do I want Spartacus? You know, just mm-hmm. all these movies that I had watched recently and liked. And I laid them all out, like, on the counter in front of me. It's like, I've narrowed it down to, like, these ten. And my dad, bless his heart, scooped them all up and bought me the whole wow. lot. Wow. Like, that was, like, the first part of my video collection. I mean, I that's an amazing... There. That's an amazing start right there. Yeah, that's cool. So, so thank you very much, Dad, for, nice. for indulging me and letting me get Hellraiser 2 that I could hmm. watch in my bedroom. I think we have time for one more. All right. Uh, here's a letter from RJ. Hello, hey, RJ. RJ. Um, Dear Bims and Whitney, I've just stumbled upon a free streaming service. It's absolutely fascinated me. You've spoken of services such as Tubi on your podcast, but we don't have that in the UK. So I've never been able to enjoy it. That said, this there does seem to be a handful of free steam, streaming services here, and the one I've found is called Plex. Oh, I've uh, heard of Plex. Yeah. Plex is uh, packed to the brim with some of the worst-looking movies and TV shows you'll ever see. The amount of low-budget movies of all genres and the trashiest shows that reality TV can offer is insane. However, there's also a decent amount of interesting movies on there, ones that are either famous or the kinds you just don't see on other kinds of streaming services. As far as classics or hits, you can watch Nosferatu, Night of the Living Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. Stagecoach, 
uh, the 50s version of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Short Term 12, and there's some underrated modern comedies like the Zoe Deutsch, Zoe Deutsch film Buffaloed. That's a pretty mm. good movie. Yeah, I remember uh, Zoe Deutsch one. produced that one. Um, but what get, gets me is the amount of what look to be cult classics, all sorts of horror movies and sequels, westerns, thrillers, etc. There's even a whole section dedicated to midnight movies. What excites me most is the amount of films here that you've both recommended on Iron Lists that I was able to watch. I huh. wasn't able to watch on any other streaming service, including Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Oh, yeah. I Carnival of Souls. Mm-hmm. George Washington. Nice. It's on Plex. Wow. Uh, Django Kill If You Live Shoot. Nice. And uh, The Decline of Western Civilization. Cool. The Penelope Spurious documentary film. That was great. Um, I wonder if most people are like me and immediately wrote this service off without exploring what it has to offer. I'm also curious if you have this in America and what kind of films it offers. Sincerely, RJ. Oh, we do uh, have Plex in America. Mm-hmm. I, I had Plex introduced to me in a weird way where I was under the impression it was like an archiving service more than anything else. But oh, I guess they also stream or maybe it, that's a separate thing I'm thinking of. I think maybe I wasn't introduced to it very well. Um, there are. Here's the deal. There's a ton of great streaming services out there, and I think we're going to see a lot more emphasis on the cheaper and or freer ones. Mm. 2B went from being like this weird little thing off to the side to, I think, one of the major players in the last couple of years because, yeah, they're ad-supported. There aren't as many ads as you might think, and their selection is pretty wild. And it, it used to just be they had all the weird cult shit that, like, a lot of it had never even been on home video before. I feel like they just bought everything up in a package and said, fuck it, dump it all at once. <laughs> and it was great. But they also have some very respectable stuff on there, too. Like, really, really great and popular movies and shows and everything like that. And that's really great. And I more and more I see what HBO Max is doing is, like, okay, we don't feel like we're getting enough value for Westworld and I think they're going to be like selling it to places like Tubi or other services of that ilk. Um, so I think we're going to just start seeing a bit more of uh, of those services and I think it's behooves us to take those services seriously and appreciate yeah. what they've got. Again, I don't know Plex specifically, well, well, but like I've been enjoying a, a, a series, a, a service I haven't really explored much. But uh, they recently added the newest season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 onto Pluto TV. Okay. Uh, Very grateful for it. um, Not easy to navigate. Like, fast-forwarding is kind of a pain in the butt, but at least they're uh, there. That's cool. You can just also get the Gizmoplex. Uh, Mystery Science Theater has its own station now. It does, but that's uh, that's a separate charge. Pluto TV is free. Well... uh, a lot of what's on the Gizmoplex is also free. Oh, is it now? Uh, they, you can buy a season pass, and you can get sort of access to the new seasons before everybody, some live uh-huh. events. But if you want to just watch old episodes, you can get oh, the, I just meant the, the newest episode, like the newest season, yeah. like the new host. That, and that also, they also put made that free on oh, the Gizmoplex as well. Yeah. Okay, well it wasn't free for a year. You had to pay for it for okay. the first year. But I was under the impression it was only free on Bluto. Yeah. You know what? I, this is, proves my point. I need, to be, yeah, uh, I need to keep better tabs on these things. We were talking about something recently where uh, the idea of sort of accidentally discovering something that's yeah. that that's kind of gone from the uh, it's less common sort of the the, the media yeah. diet. Um, the idea of like going into a video store and watching something by accident, mm-hmm. or you know, turning on cable TV and, and you're just, just wa- watching whatever's programmed at, yeah. in that moment, and that's all um, you had the option for was just whatever happened to be yeah, on. So, so you made do, and sometimes you were pleasantly surprised. And, and as salt, uh, as a result, I think a lot of people. Uh, 
who di- did that sort of got a better media diet, a much more varied one, because they were going Arguably. to stumble upon things that they had never heard of before. Yeah. That's less common when everything's on demand. Uh, a lot of the streaming services I prefer are really carefully curated. Yeah. Stuff like the Criterion Channel and Ovid and... Uh, Nightflight. And, yeah, Night, Nightflight. Nightflight is beautiful. Yeah. And... Uh, and Shutter, you know these things that uh, where the films are actually very carefully considered before they're put on. The yeah, they're not service. just swooped up in a yeah. big old batch. People are making um, conscious decisions yeah. about whether or not every single movie should be on this specific service. I feel like the big ones, uh, HBO, Hulu, Amazon, and Netflix. Uh, um, yeah, and, 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 and Disney as well. Disney doing um, have, have a yeah. smattering. Like they kind of have this random assemblage of like, and not a great selection. Like some a lot of movies you've heard of, Amazon's a little bit better. A Prime Video that is um, because they have a lot of stuff that they. First off, you can get access to other services through them. They can sign uh, up for like Shutter through Amazon, so you don't even have to leave that service. I think that's a smart play. But also, if they don't have it for free on Amazon, it's often possible to rent it yeah, for a reasonable fee, like two or three, three bucks. Yeah, three bucks. You um, know, that's. And uh, that's, they have most a lot of movies are worth they actually that. have a lot of good horror movies. They, they have a pretty good selection, but I, Netflix, Hulu, especially, mm-hmm. um, they don't. They have mm-hmm. some stuff. It's like a shitty video store. Yeah. Um, but then, if you want like the true video store experience, the way you and I used to have it, yeah, and we're and we're oldies, uh, you go to stuff like Tubi. You, yeah. You go to Plex. You go mm-hmm. to Pluto. These free services that have bothered to. Scoop up maybe kind of randomly, and they're not carefully curated. Uh-huh. But, but they've they have, got them. They have such a volume of it, yeah, that you can actually browse and find some interesting new things that way. Uh, one thing I love about Tubi is um, you can like just pick a category, like I don't know, horror, uh-huh. and they're not listed alphabetical. And unlike Netflix, where I get the distinct impression that when you like click on just like a tab in Netflix, like horror, romantic comedy, whatever, uh, they put their most popular things at the top. And then you keep scrolling down, and then eventually you find things that are less well-known, obscure, don't look very good. And then they always do this fun thing where at the very bottom of the page, like the last two rows are impressive again, as if they just want to like just not leave you with the idea that it's mostly dregs. <laughs> but with Toomey, when you like put up a category, it's just everything, and I can like scroll down for like several minutes on end, and... Every three or four lines, I'll find one movie. I'm like, oh, that's actually neat. Oh, I've never actually seen that. I didn't know that was ever available on home video or streaming. Oh, that's actually like a genuinely well-known, likable movie. Like, it's all just thrown into a blender. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I, I, I kind of, it feels more like traversing the aisle. Yeah. Than, than Netflix does when you go searching. So uh, I, I do like that. Hmm. Anyway, that is it for We've Got Mail this week. Thank you, everybody, for emailing us. Thank you, everybody, for your questions, your uh, uh, your your recommendations, everything you had to send us. We love hearing about it. Thank you a million times over. If you want to contribute to a future episode of We've Got Mail and get us to talk about anything you want us to talk about, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Or, if you'd prefer, we didn't have any this week, but we often do. You can send something to our P.O. Box. Letters in our P.O. Box are always read. 
That's right. And they're always read first. We we, uh, we don't get so many that we have to parse them out yet. Yeah, there so, may come uh, a day, yeah. but you know we didn't have any this week. So you know mm-hmm. if you had written in this week, you would have definitely had your letter read. So our wedding, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, yeah, send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yep. Uh, and uh, a big shout-out to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, in addition to voting for future episodes of The Iron List. Uh, we also have a lot of exclusive shows over there from our legacy shows, which are sort of completed projects where we reviewed every single episode of Firefly or every single episode of the Adam West Batman to our ongoing projects like uh, All Our Yesterdays, where we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek in order, or uh, Only the Best, where we review every single movie that has ever been nominated for Best Picture, and now we've added to that Best International Feature as well. Yes. So that's a big old deep dive into cinema history. We've got commentary tracks. We recently released one for Pretty in Pink. We're going to release one in the near future for the cult favorite Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And if you have never <laughs> seen it, you are in for a treat. It's, 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 it's the diehard of B-movies. It is so good. We do Discord hangouts. We do a trivia nights. we got a new trivia night coming up on April 1st. Uh, and it's going to be wacky themed mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of good stuff as well. So uh, thank you to all of our patrons. If you want to join up, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We are on Twitter at critic acclaim. I am at William DeBiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And yeah, we just think your need is all. Thanks for everything. Uh, sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney.